Good evening. You're tuned in to Friendship, the Power of Positive Living with Dr. James Huey, a specialist in human affairs, and his special guests, all of whom will aim to help you take charge of the opportunities in your life. Let's go right into the studio right now and join Dr. Huey for the Power of Positive Living. We're talking this evening about Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, the power of self-esteem and how it affects how we see ourselves and how we see the world around us. What is the biggest obstacle that comes and stands between me and relating effectively with other people? And even with myself. And that is something that I call the tyranny of perfectionism. Intellectually, we all know that we are not perfect. And yet, feeling-wise and behavior-wise, so many of us, and I include myself because, once again, this is something I have been fighting, something I have been challenging myself with, something I have been striving to grow in the area, is perfectionism because we do tend to behave and operate that way. What is perfectionism anyway? Well, perfectionism is the curse of believing that self and or life should be perfect without flaw. I'll repeat that again because it's important, I believe, to be aware of what in the world is this curse that we're going to spend some time talking about and how it negatively affects the process of developing positive, healthy self-image. Perfectionism is the curse of believing that yourself and your life should be perfect. It should be without flaw. And to me, that is a curse. And that's why it becomes a tyrannical factor in how we feel and how we behave. The tyranny of perfectionism. Now, under the tyranny of perfectionism, there are several concepts that do refer and do affect how this plays in our life. The first thing I'll share with you is, of course, that we're talking about degrees again. We're talking about being able to have low perfectionistic needs as well as very high perfectionistic needs. And part of personal growth is being able to confront those needs and saying, are they appropriate for my needs right now? I personally have confronted my perfectionistic needs and have decided that they were a little too high for where I wanted to be. So I've developed a process for lowering them, and that's what part of Wellness Radio is doing, is to provide you with assistance in confronting your area of perfectionistic tendencies, your perfectionistic feelings, expectations, attitudes, and deciding, are they appropriate? Are the low degrees appropriate for your needs in some areas of life, or are you needing some higher needs in order to overcome some other patterns of behavior. So when we talk about perfectionism, recognize that we are saying that it, like most feelings and behaviors, does come in degree. It's not either you have perfectionism or you don't have perfectionism. You are able to conquer it and eliminate it, or you have it so bad that it totally dictates your life. Most of us, once again, live in that continuum of behavior and feelings known as a differentiation scale like 1 to 10, 1 to 100, but it comes in varying degrees. One characteristic of perfectionism, 
we defined it as the curse of believing that self and life should be perfect and without fear. Well, one of the characteristics is you will notice the shoulds, the ought tos, the behavior pattern that says one should be doing this, one ought to be doing this, one has to be doing that. Uh, Albert Ellis, the psychologist from New York, refers to it as masturbation. The abuse of self with must, have tos, shoulds, and oughts. The shoulds is a constant overall feeling of never doing well enough or being even good enough as a person, as an entity. That constant nagging overall feeling of never feeling that you're doing well enough in whatever you do, no matter how skilled or talented, or that you're not quite good enough. You're constantly striving to improve your goodness. Another characteristic of the shoulds is that values and rules of living that you grew up with. You know, we talked about those tapes a little earlier. Well, those tapes gave you values. They gave you rules of living and that you grew up with. And those tapes constantly comparing the way you are with the way you should be. See, it's kind of like a little internal court system going on in your head. These tapes compare the way you are with the way you should be according to these tapes that were dictated by parents, your friends, your schools, your churches, all of this from an external source. And when they compare you, they reach the judgment that you are inadequate or you're wrong. After they take all this material from the past, they compare it with the way you are now, and they say, hey, this is not the way you should be. Therefore, you are judged inadequate or you are judged wrong. Oftentimes, you will hear people say, if only. If only such and such would occur, or if only I'd had a different break in life. If only something like this had not occurred, or if something else had occurred. You can see the people who have perfectionistic tendencies trying to get through with only if life could be perfect, then I would be happy, I would be successful, I'd have a good relationship, and on and on and on. Perfectionistic papers, perfectionistic patterns of behavior that we seek as we go through and develop our self-esteem. There are people who are looking for perfect eating habits. Like when I go out on the cruise ships, for example, there will be programs on nutrition. And people will go to them, and they are looking for the nutritionist to give them a perfect pattern of eating. They want to eat things that are low in cholesterol, or no cholesterol, or this or that. And rather than saying healthy eating could be a part of being healthy as a physical person, they look for the perfect eating pattern. Somebody to dictate to them what they should be eating in order to be perfectly healthy. Not just healthy or more healthy than they are right now, but to be perfect in their patterns of behavior. We know in our own culture that public speaking happens to be one of the most frequent phobias that we have. In other words, to stand in front of people and talk with them is very scary for a lot of people. I know whenever I have guests here on this program, I find people who tend to be very apprehensive that whatever they say into this microphone is going to go out to hundreds and thousands of people. 
But the fact is they tend to be very frightened of it, and they believe that they should be speaking perfectly. If I'm going to speak into this microphone, and if it doesn't come out perfect, if I don't pronounce every word clearly and correctly, and I don't space my pace of living or my pace of speaking, then if I even make a mistake like I just did, then somehow that makes this less worthy. Well, I don't buy that. I'm not perfect, so why in the world should my speech patterns be perfect? I think they're pretty good, and why? Because I listen to them, and people listen to them and tell me that they're basically pretty good. But if I am setting myself up with that perfectionistic expectation, then I could say, stop the show, turn off the microphone, I didn't do a perfect show tonight, so let's cancel it. And if I can't do a perfect show tonight, then I certainly need to stop from doing one tomorrow night or the next night or whenever we get a chance to do it again. Perfectionism can be a real cancer. It can get into our whole being and do a lot to destroy who we are. Now, we talk about perfectionistic expectations as far as eating or public speaking. Well, people look for expectations in perfection with mates. I'm constantly surprised how many people are looking for the perfect spouse. Most of the time, you and I know that we're not going to find anybody perfect. And yet, still people look for perfectionism, or they look for somebody that when they get married, then they can remake them over into something more perfect. People look for perfect jobs. I've had a fair number of jobs in my life, and none of them have been perfect. There's no job that is perfect. There's no perfect situation. Perfect retirements. I lived in a retirement community of Brevard, North Carolina, and it was one of the top rated in the U.S. according to the various retirement guides. But it wasn't a perfect place. It was a delightful place. It was a lovely place. And maybe I'll retire there. But people who expect that if they've lived a, an entire life of imperfection, that somehow at the end of the road, they are entitled to a perfect retirement. One of my favorite activities out on the cruise ships is to go up and just walk through as people are looking at their pictures. And almost universally, people knock their own pictures. They discount it. They make them less worthy. They'll say, oh, my ears are too big, or my eyes were you know, not right, or I had my head cocked, or whatever, they discount how they look. And I'll hear this over and over again, well, you look just great, but my picture, oh no, it doesn't look like me, or there's something wrong with it. So there is a tendency to put ourselves down because we believe we should look a certain way, and we should always look just perfect whenever we get out. And if we don't, then we ought to do something about it. So when we talk about perfectionism, the shoulds, the oughts, the have-tos, the must, all of those are characteristics that go in to the real curse of perfectionism. Another factor is the self-depreciation or discounting. Now, the word discounting, of course, to us means that when we take something of a particular value and we offer it for less of a price. For example, your behavior or your being is never good enough you have a continuous sense of self-depreciation. In other words, if there's always this awareness that one is never quite good enough, one has a feeling or a sense of self-depreciation. This is a feeling of always falling short. 
being inadequate, never arriving at the goal, but one must never stop trying. Whenever I go up and talk to people, and sometimes I will be on the ship and be perceived as a ship's staff person, and someone will say, well, you don't have to talk with me. You can go on and talk with other people like, these people are more important than I am. Well, of course you're as important as anyone. You're not more important than anybody else on the ship, but you're certainly not less important. But right away, people are telling me how they see themselves when they make statements. They self-depreciate themselves. They discount it. One of the more familiar concepts is when I compliment you on something you wear and you may say to me, oh, this old thing, or it came from Kmart, or I've had this for years, or I don't really like it, rather than thank you. See how easy it is to discount because we strive so hard to be like, but that tape of we mustn't get a swell head, we mustn't feel too good about ourselves because that would be pride, and pride is evil. A third factor that I'll share with you about perfectionism is what I call the red pencil approach. When I was in school as a young child, sometimes I thought my teachers were out to use up all of the red ink that was in the supply system of the United States. There were teachers who seemed to just enjoy marking papers of mine and my friends. What was wrong with what we had written? I decided that if I ever went into teaching, I would mark what was right, what my students did learn, what they had got correct as they wrote on the sheet of paper. And if I were to mark papers, I was not going to use red ink. Is the test half full on what you have learned, or is it half empty on what you haven't learned? And I find learning became much more effective for me when teachers reaffirmed and supported and stroked and nurtured me in things that I was successful, rather than harping on all the things that I didn't know. Now, as I've gotten older... I realize that the more I learn, the more I still don't know. And I have no pretensions of ever getting a perfect paper. But sometimes we mark papers or we mark people or we grade people or we grade ourselves as though we were still striving for that perfect paper, that 100%, that A+. I prefer being able to focus, and we do this in personal retreating a great deal, We strive to help the person mark or evaluate or support or nurture those characteristics about themselves and their world that tend to be positive, that tend to be healthy. A low self-esteem and the tendency toward perfectionism can often result in anxiety. It can result in a tendency for people to focus a great deal on legalisms. By legalisms, I mean overemphasis on externals, do's and don'ts. These are people who have a great deal of emphasis on rules and regulations. If we don't have rules, there will be anarchy and people can't be trusted. And so we need a lot of rules and regulations because we need to control. We cannot accept ourself as we are, so we need constantly the approval of other people. We are what we do. We are what we accomplish. I believe that I am worthwhile and I am valuable regardless of what I do or I don't do. 
I am valuable because I'm human. I am valuable and worthwhile just because I am. Whatever the rules and regulations are, and I do value them as we interact. I like people to stop at stop signs. I like people to shake hands instead of slapping my face. There are a number of things that I find very appropriate to have rules and regulations. Once again, we go back to degrees. People who find that everything needs to be regulated because you can't trust feelings, you can't trust people, you might lose control of yourself or the situation, then we have a tendency to find someone who has perfectionism dominating their particular attitudes and behaviors. Now, what happens whenever all of this pressure piles up on people? Well, sometimes people break down or they break away and change. And I believe that's where the choices of personal growth come about. If one decides to continue to stay with perfectionistic behavior and use perfectionism to discount and lower their self-esteem, then eventually I believe there will be a breakdown. Or one can choose to use the perfectionistic patterns of behavior to support themselves, can modify it to where it is healthy, and incorporate a healthy, positive self-esteem by making changes. What we try to do is take the power to write one's own script, to get away from unrealistic expectations, to get away from the impossible performance demands that we put on ourselves and others, to get away from conditional love and acceptance of ourselves and conditional love and acceptance of others, and to get away from the denial pattern that somehow we have done terrible things in our lives and therefore we are just not worthy human beings to live and breathe on this beautiful planet. We need to take the power that has been given to us by the mere gift of being human. Take this power to write a positive, healthy script to put perfectionism in its place. We said that healthy personhood is a process. It's a journey. It's not a destination. One does not ever really get rid of perfectionism or the cancer of perfectionism, but they do have the capabilities of making it a process of change making this change a process of personal growth. There are no quick solutions in overcoming this alienation from self, and that's what negative self-esteem is. When you look into the mirror and you see negative views and you get negative feelings, this is alienation from yourself. This is alienation from you as the positive, healthy, unique, and special person that I believe you are. How do we do that? Well, we recognize that if we're going to change, that it's a process of growth and it takes time. I remember very clearly one person coming up to me and saying, well, Dr. Huey, I tried this power of positive living and I tried that positive attitude stuff. I tried it for three whole hours one afternoon and it didn't make any difference. Well, you know, it probably isn't going to make any difference. You could probably do it for three hours, you could do it for three days, you could do it for three weeks or three months, and maybe even for three years. But it's a process. It's a start. It's a technique of developing a positive self-esteem that comes. It is not magical thinking. And there is no quick solution. 
But this alienation from self evolved over a period of time, and being able to go through the process of personal retreating allows you to develop the process and develop the internal power of rewriting the script so that it can become more positive in the future. Another thing I believe that helps is that life, I believe, is a gift that only I have to receive. And the only thing I have to do about it is accept it. And there are a lot of people who are running around who have not accepted the gift. They really aren't ready to take this wonderful gift and use it to its fullest, to accept it, to appreciate it, to internalize it. Being able to accept the fact that life comes with its assets and it comes with its liabilities. Another factor that I believe helps build self-esteem is the concept of grace. Life and the assets of life, to me, are freely given. Life is undeserved. It's unmerited. It's unearnable. There isn't anything I can do to pay it back. And I am valuable just because I am. Not because of something I do. Not because of something I accomplish or don't accomplish. I am valuable just because I exist. Just because I am the most wonderful, delightful, personable human being that you could meet. I'm not any better than anyone else, but I'm certainly not any worse. Another factor that I would encourage if you start the process of personal retreating and developing self-esteem with yourself is allowing for individual differences. Now, we've alluded that, once again, most of us do that intellectually, but I'm talking about really internalizing it. There was a childhood poem that was mentioned to me a while back when someone was saying, hey, this is something that's important in self-esteem, and I agree. It goes, Jack Spratt could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean, and so between them both, they licked the platter clean. This is an example of people allowing individual differences to work together. And that's a challenge for us, because I believe secretly down in our heart of hearts, most of us want the world to operate around our beliefs, our values, our parameters. We want the world to operate our way. And that's hard to do when you have so many different people with different beliefs and different value systems. That myth of the good norm that we've alluded to in previous programs. It's there. We believe that our norm is the best, and therefore it's hard to really value and appreciate individual differences in other people. Another concept that I would encourage is being able to accept ourselves as we are with varying degrees. And we have the power to define the labels that we attach to ourselves. If we want to put a label on our forehead that says lovable, we have that power. If we want to put a label that says standoffish and shy, then we put that label on there because we're the ones who are writing the labels that we wear and the ones that we decide to attach to other people. So being able to accept ourselves, accept other people as they are, not saying that we agree or disagree with everything that people do and feel and say, but being able to accept them as the people that they are. They're basically doing like you and I. We're trying to do the best we can with the resources that we have. And I think I'm doing an okay job. 
I can do better because I intend to let my personal growth pattern continue to evolve and strengthen. I could always do worse. So part of it is just learning to accept myself and appreciate myself as I am with varying degrees. And that, I believe, is reality. That is reality of being able to accept this power, allowing myself to feel as well as think. As we combine all of this, it becomes fairly obvious that if we're going to feel positive about ourselves, we have to incorporate a number of opportunities and resources and that whenever we look into the mirror, we can say, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Well, it may or may not be me, but I still feel a-okay about who I am. I'd like to conclude this portion of the program with a quotation from Richard Bach in his book, Illusions. And he said unto them, If a man told God that he wanted most of all to help the suffering world, no matter the price to himself, and God answered and told him what he must do, should the man do as he is told. Of course, Master, cried the many, it should be pleasure for him to suffer the tortures of hell itself, should God ask it. No matter what those tortures, nor how difficult the task, an honor to be hanged, glory to be nailed to a tree and burned, if so be that, God has asked, said they. And what would you do, the Master said unto the multitude, If God spoke directly to your face and said, I command that you be happy in this world, as long as you live, what would you do then? And the multitude was silent. Not a voice, not a sound was heard upon the hillsides across the valleys where they stood. And the master said unto the silence, In the path of our happiness shall we find the learning for which we have chosen this lifetime. I encourage you to choose the path of happiness and positive self-esteem. This is your friend and host, James Huey. Thanks for listening to me on this podcast as I share viewpoints from my own experiences with wellness psychology. These are my gifts to you, my listeners. Your positive feedback sent via email is always appreciated. That email address is powerforpositiveliving at gmail.com. Please join me each week as we continue to explore diverse topics to enrich the quality of your life. As your friend and host here on Friendship Podcast Radio, I do encourage you to nurture yourself as the unique individual that I believe you are. Until next we meet, I remain committed to power for positive living and friendship. Good day.